Amateur Skeptics Podcast, number 89. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me this evening, Mac. Good evening, everybody. And Head Masturbator, Ian. <laughs> that's my new title, huh? Yes, okay. that's your new title. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Wait, does that mean he is Head of Masturbating, or does it mean he masturbates over Transformers Headmasters? Take it either way. Well, I was thinking okay. of a completely different pun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, throw it in there, Terry. That's okay. I'll no. keep it to myself. <laughs> you can't be late to the party here and, and not include yourself. <laughs> And yes, thank you, dumbass, for pointing out that I've been finding masturbation stories lately. Wouldn't that wouldn't that lovely of him to suggest that as a new segment? And I I completely agree. I mean, <laughs> but I was looking for masturbation news, and uh, it wasn't so great this week. We will still talk about it later on in the podcast. Though. All right. So basically, what you're saying, Brian, is that everybody's still doing it. It's just that nobody's talking about it. Think. Yes, that's what I'm saying. We, I mean, none of us are wearing pants, right? I'm actually not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tango's not. You haven't introduced Terry sure yet. I, I, well, I did say, you know, I did kind of introduce, and of course, Terry, who's not wearing pants. That's right. I'm not wearing pants. Now, we could explore that further, but why? How's everybody doing? <laughs> doing all right. Doing good. Doing Sid, the, uh, Sid the cockatoo has developed a new power. He's developed what I call beakokinesis. He's developed the power to move things with his mind by using his beak. Really? Like like yes. what? What does oh, he move? Um, lots of things, really. I have hand-foot kinesis in case. All right, okay. tell us about the Colorado Secular Conference, Terry. I'd love to. So I'm going to be in attendance, which should be reason enough for anyone to go, but Kimberly's also going to be there. What, so, what day is it? Isn't it Saturday, July 20th. And she's, that's why Kimberly's not with us tonight. She's actually working on getting this whole thing together. It looks awesome. It's 20 bucks, which is, is so affordable. There's really no excuse not to go. Um, speakers are Catherine Stewart. She was the author of The Good News Club, that uh, book about the Christian rights attempt to get into schools. Seth Andrews of The Thinking Atheist, who uh, actually published an email that I sent him a few weeks ago on his Facebook page, which was super exciting. Um, Sean Faircloth, um, strategy and policy director of the Richard Dawkins Foundation and, and the author of Attack of the Theocrats. Yeah, and he was also previously um, what head of, uh, he was also a member of the Secular Coalition of America. Uh, let's see, 10 years in the Maine legislature. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. Yeah. His name sounds really familiar to me. And, uh, uh, of course, Rebecca Hale of the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Oh, we, I didn't We know. had her on here. I didn't. Yeah. But, I mean. And also, sorry, Betsy yeah. Weatherhead, who um, is at UC Boulder, works on a Cooperative Institute for Research in Environmental Sciences. I think she's going to speak about climate change. Okay. So $20, July 20th, here in Denver. There's really no excuse not to go. Yeah. I was going to say, Rebecca Hale, also a member of a little organization called the American Humanist Association. Oh, yeah. But more importantly, <laughs> she was on the podcast. That's great. Very cool. It, it's, I'm really excited. Yeah. It looks good. Um, don't know if I can make <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, so, Ian, I think you put this in here. Yeah. Okay. Um, Basically... This isn't an article. This is a letter from Matthew Baxter of the Rocky Mountain Paranormal Association. Uh, if you recall, when the, the story broke six months ago, we covered it. It's a Fox News story that um, supposedly they found video evidence of a UFO, and we um, covered it on the podcast. And shortly after that, the Rocky Mountain Paranormal, they actually investigated it, and we covered their investigation as well. Apparently, here we are six months later, and they're still getting hate mail about it. The thing I liked about this was it basically showed more or less the um, fundamental 
mentality of those who are really into it because um the guy challenges them and says you know debunk is shown in quote as if they you know as if they didn't actually debunk it as if they as if you know what well he even says what they're calling debunking no you guys didn't disprove anything um just read it not, yeah oh okay <clears throat> hi i'm amused by your debunking of the fox news ufo sighting usually paranormal research and ufo research are pretty related fields if you want to be respected for having an opinion in a field of research, I suggest not having an obvious personal bias. Clearly, you are against the entire UFO research field entirely, being that you have done, all that you have done is debunk, which any skeptic knows is an obvious nod to opposing fixed belief. The crossed out alien logo isn't helping. It's truly laughable being that the paranormal research field yields a fraction of the evidence that the USO field does, and yet you spend countless money, effort, and belief investigating. Perhaps if you put your belief aside and spent the same energy and open mind on investigating the UFO phenomenon, then you would understand how silly it is to conduct attacks on the field in general. Has Finally, he ever listened to them before? I don't think so. It doesn't matter. Of course not. Finally, your attempts to disprove the video in question were futile. They did nothing to disprove the initial footage. Just because it could be a bug does not mean that it is, that for sure is, just as it is unknown from any other angle. So, but, um, of course, was, back through. Sorry, just, just for background, just so I understand what we're talking about. Um, was this that video that was uh, from here locally in Denver? Uh, yes. Some, it was like insects. Really but... bad video that you couldn't tell what it was. You had no, there was no depth of field to it, no sense of exactly how far away it was. And they were making all sorts of um, assumptions news on the channels. news about it. Yeah, news channels picked it up. I think uh, Phil Plate might have covered it too. He did. He did. A lot of the skeptics did. But what Brian and Baxter did is went out and they recreated the experiment, and then they and then they showed um, more plausible options for what could have caused it. Right. Yeah. Now I'm not gonna read all of Baxter's letter. He, he I think he wrote a really good reply to this. You know, countering the stuff, saying, "Listen, you know." The, uh, obviously, you don't understand the terms. You don't understand what we're using. Um, although one thing I love about the guys, he's talking about um, fixed bias. How you know you're coming in with the obvious personal bias. Um, is he not aware that uh, by his letter already he has a very obvious fixed bias on I, the other I side of it? I think by the statement in his letter that he doesn't wish to be respected by anybody in the. Now, see, we're supposed to be open-minded and willing to just accept every bit of evidence as concrete evidence. These guys can't be open-minded and look, okay, maybe, you know, we can't hold this evidence as that high. Here's, and that, that's one problem I have right. with the, the argument. But the, the other problem with that letter is that it is just an attack. It is in no way critical of what they did to well, to, to show that um, and, that there was a more plausible and option. And Baxter does address that. He says, you didn't provide anything right. um, defending your statement. We... we you know, we showed our side. You're t telling us we didn't debunk anything. You've not given us anything. But um, I, I love that he talks about the debunking. We were only showing that bugs are the most likely and would need to be definitely ruled out before jumping to the other more unlikely conclusion. And that's the thing that, you know, on the podcast in the past, you know, we look at Bigfoot, we look at um, UFOs, we have looked at ghosts. And that's one thing that gets me is all these people automatically jump to the more outrageous, unlikely conclusions before looking at it and thinking logically and saying, wait a moment. What else could this be that makes more sense? Well, clearly Fox News was having a slow news week. Right, yep. at that point. But still, yeah. we see this video all the time, and we see, well, I mean, we had a video that on the, uh, wherever, the, the graveyard one, where the people were saying, this is undeniable proof of ghosts. And we all watched and said, actually, it looks like a kid playing, climbing up a tree and jumping back down. That doesn't, right. 
You know, right. But you're saying it's undeniable proof, and that's what well, we keep hearing. And yet we're the ones who aren't open-minded because we look at this stuff with the critical mind saying, wait a moment, we're, what else could it be? Yeah, but, but the, I mean these people feel like they, that their beliefs are being attacked and, as opposed to just challenged. Right. Well, and that shows how fundamentalist they become. Right. You know, Isn't and, that – uh, didn't that video come out the week that the uh, Fox News editor switched from uh, switched to Gillette from Occam's razor? <laughs> Other way around. So what always kind of cracks me up about this kind of stuff is, okay, let's say they are little tiny insect-sized alien ships. What does that mean? Like, what does that look like? They haven't shown up again, like, the day after. You know what I mean? Like, let's say we all agree that that's what they are. We've never seen them since in the six yeah, months. And the or... thing is, I think I was talking about this. Why don't they change angles? If, if you believe them coming from this one street, go to that one street about that time of the day. Look around. If well, you have a camera up yeah. on the hill and a camera down there and you're, they're both filming, you can prove whether or not there's something in the area. But no one well, saw that. Well, it probably depends seasonally, though, because the insects are going to be yeah. different. Yeah, that's true. Well, but okay. So when Fox News went out there and and saw flickers in their camera, you know, they 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 just went with it. They yeah, they, they, they did. did nothing more than just say, "Oh, look, we got that thing. Um, we'll go with the UFO story." It's like, Ugh. and right. you know, that was quite irritating. We we had pointed out that basically Brian and Baxter had gone and done far more investigative journalism than Fox News did. Well, I and guess the, being paid to do investigative journalism. One of the things in the Fox News articles, they got they had an expert say. And I don't I forget what kind of expert it was. Say that it could not have been a bug. Yeah. Well, and, no. They said the expert said that. Right. Okay. They we don't know what no the expert said. Area. And yet, Brian and Baxter went there and they There's, found like a half dozen different species of bugs right in that very same field where the cameras were set up. There There's are bugs in every area. In no. The, yeah. The expert didn't say there was no bugs in the area. He said that he didn't think it could be bugs in the the footage. But the, whoever was doing the um, what's her name? She she was the one that said there were no bugs in the area. The news? That, that might remember. be. I don't. I don't remember that. But here's the thing: is that even if they went to an expert, an entomologist, and asked them about this, an entomologist is not an expert in film. Yeah. Well, and and that's where Brian and Baxter has some expertise. And that's one interesting thing with all these films, because I was thinking like some of the um, Romanowski stuff. He knows way too much. You you film something flying in the sky. You cannot determine the size of it. You cannot determine um the distance it is from you. You have nothing to help you with that. And yet in all these videos, these people somehow are able to magically, without any reference, say, okay, this is the size it is. This is the location of it. It's like, no, if you're looking straight at the sky, you can't determine that. You need a, some sort of physical landmark to be able to determine stuff like that. And we right. also know that it is not that hard to take a camera and mess with your um, perceptions of it. Well, and that's what the what really brought this together is the yeah. fact that Brian Baxter did exactly that, gave us a reference point. In fact, they gave us a reference point so close to the camera and that they were able to recreate this same phenomenon that we that you pretty much know that it was within a couple feet of the camera that this was happening. Right. Now, one thing I, the, to me that the um, guy's letter doesn't address because he, I don't think he believes this, but as far as I know, every single skeptic I know of would love it to find actual proof that aliens are um, visiting Earth. That would be awesome. Insect I don't think there'd be a skeptic out there who would not be excited to find actual proof of that. Insect-sized I mean, aliens. How cool would that be? <laughs> yeah, we would be celebrating like, awesome, it's happened, we have proof. It's not that we don't like the concept. It's that we just haven't seen proof of it. You right. know, all, none of the stuff we've been seeing makes any sense. Our whole so, purpose is to try to get people to think about what they're seeing, not just 
not just accept it at face value and immediately. We want people to say, okay, well, what could this be? Right. You know, if it's not this, what else could it be? Right. And, you know, so we love the the idea that there could be aliens on Earth. I, I love it. I don't believe it's happened. I've not seen any proof that's happened. And all the videos I keep seeing don't prove a thing. But I, you know, we go over a whole list of, you know, what we'd like to see and not see, but... Aliens are one thing that, um, you know, we've addressed here that I really would love to, you know, if within our lifetime we have proof that aliens have visited Earth and we can somehow connect to them, that would be awesome. Yeah. I was thinking about the rough, how difficult it is to gauge uh, speed and distance. Um, this weekend I was camping in the desert and uh, if you've, the desert night sky is just amazing. It's Carl Sagan's billions and billions. It's just phenomenal. And I happened to wake up kind of in the middle of the night and I saw two bright lights that you know were obviously pl like plane lights on an airplane but it looked like from where i was there was an optical illusion that it looked like they were actually up in the stars mm. and so i'm watching this you know these two lights cross basically the width of the milky way stripe you know across the sky in like 10 seconds and i was just kind of cracking myself up thinking about how easy it would be to make something up about like i could calculate the width of the milky way galaxy <laughs> and figure out you know Right. <laughs> anyway, so I mean the the art of, uh, or I'm sorry, Baxter's reply had the proper amount of snark. <laughs> yeah, I mean he didn't let him get away completely here, but he did he did address all the concerns yeah. and was not and was not just a didn't tell the guy just to go fuck off. Right. So he did good. Go Baxter. <laughs> did you read his art? Did you read his response? Because I I kind of think he told the guy just to go fuck off. Well, he might have told him that, but it was. It was it was almost it was, it, it was almost an Oxford slap. It was almost it, there. It was well done. Yes, it was very well done. Very polite. If you ask yeah, you're me. right. He did come to go fuck off, but still, go Baxter. He did it in a polite manner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So, looking for conspiracies in all the wrong places. Basically, one of the guys I know on Facebook who actually believes in all this nonsense threw this up there, and um, the thing is called Stonehenge Construction in 1954. <laughs> now, there's no context in these pictures whatsoever. Outside, it has that as its opening. And then it shows pictures of what appears to be Stonehenge and people working on it. And it gives a year of 1954. And like uh, 108 pictures, there's some interesting pictures. But like I said, no, nothing's given to tell you what is actually going on here. And obviously, the, um, the conspiracy theorists are like, oh, look, this proves that Stonehenge didn't exist between, before 1954. Well, which, you know, two obvious possibilities are that they're trying to do some repair or maintenance on Stonehenge, which is, yeah, well, despite being well constructed, is often falling apart. Right. Or well, this so, could be somebody putting together a movie set. Right. So the two follow-up things here. The um, the first one is a history of Stonehenge excavations. Wait, can I just and, say, I, okay, I, I believe that there is pr plenty of prior art to show that Stonehenge was there before 1954, because there's because aren't there other references to it prior oh, there's to lots that? Of it. Yeah, that's the other thing. It, it's one of those weirder ones where it's like, no, there's a lot of stuff that yeah. shows the history of. So, but oh, well, all that stuff has been fabricated. Yeah. It was so all any... fabricated. Even the things that were created before 1954 were fabricated so that when they had the technology to build Stonehenge in 1954, they would have some history, so it would look like it was older. I'm sure there are people that believe that, but if uh, the first one I said, history of Stonehenge talks about from 1950 to 1964, there was a major campaign of excavations on Stonehenge and involved, you know, re-excavation of some of the trenches as well as previously undisturbed areas within Stonehenge. Hmm. So, 
you know, obviously there was a lot of stuff going on during that period. Great, but of isn't it, isn't it the case that there never was a Duke of Buckingham? Okay. No. <laughs> I, uh, you lost me, but that's not surprising. <laughs> well, it's because the 1962 Duke of Buckingham had an ex had an excavation made within Stonehenge. That's the earliest reference in this article that you put up here. That's 1660. Or 161620, 16, right? 1620, yeah. The Duke but of I, Buckingham. Did I, did I read that right at least? Yes. Okay. Yes. But I was jumping down the page because, you know, they're seeing these pictures from the 1950s. Okay. Well, what was going on at Stonehenge officially in the 1950s? Well, they were actually doing some, uh, sounds like a pretty intense um, excavation of Stonehenge, trying to learn all they could about it. Okay. Well, what Didn't I'm looking at here is this, this picture with the fence and the people outside the fence. This looks like a street, which well, makes me other, think that, sorry, go ahead. That, that's the other link that would be related to this. Um, apparently, there was a movie called The Black Knight made in 1954. In it, they have a Stonehenge. Yes. Uh, the, the link takes you to a clip of it. It looks like a pretty corny movie. Um, but basically, it has a um, fairly elaborate looking set that um, looks like a Stonehenge. So, you know, but yeah. the other thing is that road that I mean, that that could be there could be a road right there in in that area. I couldn't tell you, but, but it does look awfully pictures, close, though, doesn't it? Looking through the pictures, I think it's a mixture of pictures from both those. Because some, so? of them do, some of them do look um like they might be part of a movie set and others look like they just are moving rocks around. Hmm. And so I wouldn't be surprised if these were pictures okay. from both of those incidents being mixed together. Because once more, we're given no references. Nothing at all within these pictures tells us a thing about the picture. They're just pictures being claimed from 1954. And so, yeah. okay, what was going on in 1954 related to Stonehenge? And you have to put some context to the picture. You can't just throw them up there and, you know, have nothing that describes them and say, okay, this is what's really going on. Like, you don't know. So I, I just thought this was interesting. Like I said, a, a guy I know who's really into all this conspiracy stuff, stuff and believes it all, um, yeah. I'm sure he believes now that Stonehenge was made in 1954. Well, I, so, I watched your 1954 movie clip, and I was really surprised that Blue Team won. <laughs> I was also surprised that the women were wearing clothing because I think in those types of rituals they're supposed to be nude. It doesn't matter if they're supposed to be. I mean, ask, ask HBO. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing something. What is the motivation or the conspiracy behind that? I, the, you know what? The, the, the motivation of a conspiracy theory in any case is just, well, I, I, I guess I don't know the motivation of a conspiracy theorist in general, but isn't it a lot of the time to take take something and kind of create ways that it ways that it's it's fooling you? Well, they're just, they're trying to show that conventional wisdom is is not how is not you can't be trusted in a lot of ways. And in skeptics, we do the same thing. Oh, uh oh, uh oh. Um, this picture about almost down, down at the very bottom. Uh huh. This looks like this might actually be an early version of Carhenge because I'm seeing Mercedes <laughs> emblems on here. The very last one, Carhenge is. <laughs> I've been to Carhenge. Not the very last one. It's like fourth up from the bottom, fifth up maybe. Those are Mercedes emblems. I'm telling you. Wait, have you been to Carhenge? Oh, there we go. See it now. I've not been to Carhenge, but okay. if I understand it correctly, it's made out of Cadillacs, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's just they're just standing on end and on top of each other. I mean, it's yep. yeah. Out so this must be German Carhenge. Yeah. No, the, um, um, Mac, as usual, you have misidentified the symbol. Really? Yeah. What, yeah. What, what, what is it if not? Mercedes? Yeah, that's supposed to be a peace sign, sir. Or a swastika. Um, missing a line. Oh it's yeah. Peace sign, it's it is a missing a foot on the peace sign. Yes. No. What is that? That's. It's a Mercedes emblem. No. Look up Mercedes. Look up Mercedes emblem. 
thought that was the peace sign. No. Well, uh, I thought I, when I looked at it initially, I thought oh, somebody did peace signs, except they missed a okay. They missed a leg. Well, well regardless, that that that's not car hench. I'm sure of that. It's German car hench. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think that Ian is probably correct though, because some of these pictures look like they look like they are the people in the pictures are in what appears to be British clothing from the 1950s. So it's probably that construction that you were talking about. Some of the pictures, however, look like we've got people in American 1950s clothing. Like one of the pictures we had a guy in the one I pointed out with the, uh, with like the iron rail fence that looks like there's a street right next to it. One of the guys in that picture is in Bermuda shorts. And I don't think that that was a popular fashion in England at that time, but I do believe it was a popular fashion in the fifties. Well, this proves it. We didn't land on the moon. <laughs> I think that the uh, I think that the construction on Stonehenge in the fifties was probably that they were lifting out um, lifting out some of the stones so they could bury the Roswell craft underneath them. Whoa! Hey, well, why would we give that up to the English? I mean, really? Yeah, they gotta find their own. Yeah, they gotta find their own. <laughs> because because the British Empire has secretly still been in charge of this country since the seventeen hundreds. Well, no, according to South Park, they're not. They're actually um, they, uh, going to try and take us back over. See, I can do I can do crazy conspiracy stuff with the best of them. <laughs> okay. It's not that hard to do. Well, those Tea Party people, they try to dress like British folks, don't they? <laughs> well, see, there you have it. They just like to wear, they just like to go around teabagging people. <laughs> <laughs> with their silly hats. <laughs> Remember when they were calling it teabagging? It was great. Yeah, still call it teabagging. Do they really? I still do. Oh well, you do. I, I think that I think that they they finally moved off of that after you know teenage boys Realized, started making yeah. fun of them. It's like Santorum. I yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's still good. I think if, if you Google Santorum, is that still <laughs> the number one site? I know. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Let's see what a frothy mixture of lubricant and feces and fecal slurry. A fecal yeah. slurry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we're ready to move on. Are we? Oh, to condoms. What an appropriate. No, no. Well, okay. I wanted to talk about the Google Doodle today. Oh, sorry. I mean, is is that okay, Terry? Yes, that's fine. Sorry, oh. I got ahead of myself. Oh, none of us. Can... <laughs> no, I know. I know you wanted to jump yeah. right to condoms, and and I get it. But let you know. Let let's let's start at this other erection first. <laughs> okay. So um, I, I just wanted to bring, note that the Google Doodle is, is this neat little um, animation that you have to walk through to, to build the alien spacecraft. Yep. And uh, and it's in honor of the 66th anniversary of uh, of Roswell. And so I thought it go, went quite well with your Stonehenge stuff. Yep. Which is why I brought up the Roswell craft and yeah. being buried at Stonehenge. <laughs> um, have, you, have you guys been to Roswell? Yeah. yeah. Is it awesome? I would love to go. No, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if 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 you got to pick a Walmart, that's the best Walmart for sure. Yeah, it's all aliens and it's green. It's totally different. They they totally you know it, everything. There's there's alien stuff everywhere in Roswell. It's you know it's they, they definitely use it as a a, a tourism thing. And uh, all right, so Brian, I have to ask you on this Google Doodle. Did you ever figure out what the feather was for? Yeah, it's 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 uh, you have to um to get the final piece. You have to. Tickle the guy or something. They they get uh, he's sleeping with the bottom of the spacecraft apparently. Okay. How do you get up there? I climbed the tree and it made me go right back down. Well, you have to go. You have to go down the hole and get the super fuel. Okay, I did that, but I couldn't get out of the hole. Well, you use the super fuel on the on the on the tree in there. Okay. 
Huh. And then it grows. Apparently I missed and, part. And, and then I All use I it on. Just, just ring the hell out of the doorbell and he gave me the bottom of the, of the spacecraft. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think it got sick of me. I used the tree <laughs> to go up to the top to tickle him to get the, to get the bottom. But I found there's two ways to get the ring to the spacecraft. You can either use the, the rope and the, and the, um, and the horseshoe. horseshoe or you can use the super fuel to make the, the, the horse grow bigger than the barn. Okay. And you can do it to the ox too. The super fuel I used on everything, even the chickens. Cool. Yeah. Sounds like you had way more time than I did and possibly more patience. Well, I had to figure it out. I mean, once I started it, I had to, I had to figure out all the possibilities too. And I was impressed that, that there were more than one way to get to, but I did not spend as much time ringing the doorbell as you. That's true. So I may have to do it again. So so I, I tried you're to ring more the patient, but I'm more annoying. Yeah. No, I, I used the super fuel on the tree next to it. And then I climbed the tree over and tickled him. Use the feather on him. And I tried to use the super fuel on him, but it wouldn't let me. I can't use the fuel on the guy? Apparently not. All right. All right. Now, Terry, you can talk about condoms. All right. Let's talk about the con- – oh, well, Terry, go ahead. Tell us about the condom no, challenge. No, I was just going to say there's another super fuel in tickling the guy. It's another good segue into condoms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, the, the condom challenge is uh, where you stick a condom up your nose and you got to pull it out your mouth. Seriously? Yes. That's yep. the. Did you not watch the video? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We were on vacation. And I found a whole <laughs> so site sorry. devoted to it. There's videos of a whole bunch of people trying it. Yeah. And so, it's a freak show. Um, yeah. And, okay. So there's, there's, I mean, the, there's a potential danger here that you could. Obstruct your airway. It's obstruct your airway, right? Okay. But uh, as far as some of the challenges go that I, that I have come up with here, it's, it's, it, it's one of the more benign. Right. Okay. Yes, it has a potential danger, but the, um, some of these are some of these are grosser even than this. Some of them are worse. Nope. See, and I, and I'm watching the guy stick it up his nose and he's inhaling it, and then he's gonna pull it out of his mouth. And I suppose the, I mean, you could you can hold the one end of the condom. It's you know not likely, not as likely to get stuck. But there you go. So there's the condom challenge. Snort the condom up your nose and pull it out your mouth. Uh, I had a. F- and you're saying as a challenge, it's fairly benign. I'm thinking benign, maybe benign and a half. Benign. Okay. This one I thought was was just silly and stupid. The uh, so we've all seen the um, Diet Coke and Mentos, right? And it explodes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Right. So take the Mentos, stuff your mouth with them, and then try to drink the Diet Coke. Okay. It it, it it's in you know it just basically you know the the Diet Coke nucleates in your mouth and it's just it's just messy. Right. And once again, yes, you can inhale and obstruct your airway. They, there seems to be a theme here. Um, and, and that one I, I also thought was, okay. I mean, that, that's, I, I thought it was relatively harmless. Maybe even more harmless than the condom challenge. Uh, I, I well, think that there that may be a little bit more potential for, there may be a little bit more potential for, uh, respiratory damage on this one. Well, just my fault. it's not as likely to make you choke and want to inhale. Well, I think you can also it'd be easier for you to spit it out. If condoms get yeah. caught, you're going to have a hard time. So, of course, if one of those, soda. yeah, you could choke on one of the Mentos, right? But you could choke on those anyway, right? Uh, at, at least with that, you could, you know, I think you'd be more likely to spit it out. Yeah. So I'm going to have an asthma attack just watching that. Well, yeah, I mean that's the uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the next one it was just nasty, and there's a whole bunch of these types of challenges, and it kind of I just kind of wanted to show uh, a sampling of, of some of them that are out there. Uh, the Red Bull and milk challenge. Apparently, you mix half and half Red Bull and milk, and you let it sit for 15 minutes, and it kind of separates, and the milk looks curdled, and you try to drink it, and it just looks incredibly nasty. And yeah. 
The guy guessing guessing Red Bull. Yeah. I'm guessing Red Bull has a certain percentage of citric acid in it. I would imagine, yeah. Which is what will curdle the milk. Right. So, albeit disgusting, probably not going to kill you. No. Okay, and then, uh, Ian, go ahead and, uh, since masturbation no is your Red thing. Bull normally, yeah. though. Yeah. So, <laughs> is this for dumbass? Do we dedicate this? Yeah, we're, de- we're dedicating. No, anything to do with masturbation will be dedicated to dumbass. And then let's note that, you know, that dumbass is really into masturbation and, and probably, you know, doing it at this segment. So go ahead, Ian. <laughs> yep. Well, apparently he, is, Ryan, he is masturbating to our podcast right now, <laughs> which is eerie because it's him. not even published. <laughs> um, there's actually points he can be awarded for that, I'm sure. For masturbating Basically, to our podcast? Sure, sure. It's worth 20 points. <laughs> Okay. Uh, 42. Nope, masturbating to nothing but pure thoughts. That's worth 20, yeah. Anyways, Brian <laughs> found a uh, masturbation challenge guard spin thing. If you do, if you masturbate to certain, you know, masturbate to points worth 5 points. Um, masturbate at 13 is apparently worth 5 points. Um, master, I, I still love this one. Masturbated under a bed. Right? <laughs> says he was trying bunk beds. I'm just yeah. trying to pick the regular bed. You don't really have much room. No, no, no. Uh, That's like being at camp and masturbating while, you know, while, while you got somebody above you. <laughs> masturbating while thinking of eating food is worth 10 points. Um, it, it gets weirder and weirder. Masturbated to a mu- music video. That's worth 15. Masturbated without hand is worth 15. Um, I masturbated. That's higher than my bowling score. <laughs> Masturbated to a magazine that wasn't erotic is worth 20. Um, they got rubbing your penis on sheet blanket is worth 30. How? Why? Oh, I mean, do that's... only guys masturbate? I wasn't, sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah it seems to be pretty much t- towards the guys. I'm sorry. I didn't look for a female masturbation challenge, and I apologize for my sexism. <sighs> and apparently, depending on what porn, the, um, each porn style of porn you've masturbated to is worth five. Uh, form animals... <laughs> uh, golden showers. Why does golden showers with lesbian count? That seems a bit weird. Um, <laughs> listen, don't don't try to analyze it too far, man. Yeah. Victoria's Secret it's, catalog it's, it's in the there. Flat stuff, which is really dis- <laughs> some of it is really disturbing. You know, masturbated in public. Uh, masturbated to a family member. Masturbated watching a family member masturbate. This one sounds painful. Masturbated with Drano. <laughs> yeah, I don't not- get that. That's ridiculous. Uh, that that's that is like. That highly yeah, dangerous. That would be eating away your skin. Yeah, concentrated I, bleach. It's not oh, a good idea. Icy cold sound absolutely abominable. The, oh, the icy hot? Too. Sure, that's that's got to hurt. Tiger bomb, any of that stuff. And, of course, the gold chair worth 1,000 points masturbated with a dead person's hand. <laughs> <laughs> I right. mean, some of these cross a few lines. I, I'm not reading some of the really bad ones. Well, you know what? I love this one. Really? Masturbated <laughs> church with their water. This is... That I could see. Yeah. Oh. You know, most of these challenges, and and the, the, I found women. You know, doing I don't these know challenges. if I think that masturbated to an episode of Golden Girls should be in the thousand tier. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying. It depends on your age range. And of course, um, never masturbate is worth ten thousand points. Although personally, I think most of us would probably beat the ten thousand point spread and all the others combined. <laughs> but I think Mac had a good point, though. It's that demarcation question again. Like, what's erotic literature and what's the Victoria's yeah. Secret yeah. catalog? And how would you score the points for that? Right. Is the Victoria's Secret catalog worth more than the Sears catalog? News, I guess there's a porn company that is trying to get Paula Dean to do some stuff for them. <laughs> Seriously, well, she can't get she can't get work anywhere else. It seems like. Yeah, well, that is true. Listen, anybody who can take two donuts and put a slice of meat in between them and deep fry it, that's all right with me. 
That's pornographic. That in itself is pornographic. Isn't it? She's yeah. already partway there. Yeah, she, she's on her way. Uh, yeah, but apparently that's only in the, uh, let's see, masturbation to food. Yeah, that's not very high. All right, all right, all right. So it's manly <laughs> yeah. men doing manly that's things. That's only a 10-pointer. That's right. You've just killed a small animal. It's time for a light beer. <laughs> But, yeah, it, it, I, I, uh, some of those I don't think are you know are appropriate, but the in, the general idea is kind of amusing. It's interesting so. that people want to score themselves publicly, though, like <laughs> yeah. gain status by it's a status seeking. <laughs> okay, now now back to what I was saying about the Golden Girls. The genre porn tier is only worth five points for grannies, and yet Golden Girls is worth a thousand points. B. Arthur, though. Betty White, baby. Yep. She'll take you home. <laughs> uh, and yeah. that's a segment killer. Yeah. I, I, I still want to know which is worth more, Victoria's Secrets catalog or the Sears catalog? They I each the have Sears their own catalog. charm. Yeah. Yeah. Because of all the lawnmowers. <laughs> oh, that's just me, I'll bet. Are we talking about pubic grooming again? Um, um. <laughs> 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 yeah. My Merkin is a lawnmower. Exactly. All right, so I mean, these are uh, these are funny. Yes, there's some potential harm with them, but for the most part, the these challenges, this set is not so bad, right? No, these are not bad at all. Okay, so let's move on, Joey. Okay, yeah. because this is where this so this I this is how I I got started on this whole thing was something called the cinnamon challenge. Have you guys seen this? I've seen yes. yeah. Well, we've um some of the local skeptics have actually done it. Um, put up a few videos. I have think they really? Uh, he, really? Well, yeah, I think I saw him do. He had on Facebook him taking it. Okay, I I have not seen that. Um, this is this is potentially harmful. Um, and and I found it because um in the news uh there was a there was a pediatric report that was getting ready to be published um talking about uh, talking about the dangers of it and but and some of the potential dangers they don't exactly know for sure um because um no the the effects of Humans inhaling cinnamon has not been studied, um, but they've studied it in rats. And uh, so I went, I went to go find the cinnamon challenge. And the first one I find was uh, was, was what uh, Gazelle One, I think is her name. And she doesn't just take a spoonful. I think it's, I think it's one tablespoon is the idea. She takes a ladle. Wow. And tries to eat this whole thing. Is the uh, is the video posted posthumously? I'm just asking. Uh, yeah, did she survive? She survived. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because she does. She does all the stupid challenges, and her thing is to take a challenge and and overdo it. So she does that here, and so I watched a couple of others, and and then I uh, the MythBusters did it, um, and the the main thing that, that you see is that most people put that cinnamon in their mouth and immediately start coughing and hacking. It it it, it it's an irritant, and you and so people are inhaling all this cinnamon, and it's and it's going out both directions. You know, it's it's going into the lungs and it's coming out the mouth, and you end up with this, um, like this. What do I want to say? Uh, it's, it, you know, it's like brown cloud in front of them, right? They just it just poof, right in front of them. And so Good I got, for all so, sales, though. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, well, I, so I looked at this <laughs> and I thought. Oh my God, th this has to be dangerous looking at it. Um, and now there are just, there are tons of warnings out uh, about doing this that, that there is some potential damage that could be done to the lungs. And particularly if you have any sort of respiratory problem, um, if you're an asthmatic or, or something like that, this is particularly dangerous. Now, nobody has died. I, I have read articles that say that some people have had to have surgery. Plenty of people have gone to the emergency room. Um, 
there is um, some stuff from um, the American uh, Association of Poison Control, and they've issued they've issued a warning about the challenge. What's um, the surgery that they've had to have? I don't know. I, I just saw reference to that, but I, I don't know. But if you think about it, so what? If you've ever like even just taken a little cinnamon, it immediately absorbs all the moisture. It it's what they it's um yes oh, they have a name for it. It's hydro. It basically, it just it completely, it just is so dry, it just absorbs all the moisture in your mouth. That's why this is so tough. Plus, it's oily. Good, in your better cinnamons are even oilier. A lot of people are probably using cheap cinnamons for this, and that's probably a good thing. Um, but what I, it does. I, sorry, go ahead, Brian. Okay. As soon as it hits your tongue, it absorbs that moisture, and then it, and then it cakes. And it, it's hard to remove even from your tongue. People are scraping their tongues to try and get this stuff out of there. So if you think about it, when it, as soon as it hits the lungs, your lungs are moist. It's going to immediately absorb moisture from the lungs, and it, then it's going to embed itself in the lungs. <laughs> I'm busy watching Glowzell right now. Oh, are you watching? Yeah, I mean, she's, <laughs> I mean, she's, she's a ham um, for sure. So on the medical news today, it says cinnamon is a caustic powder consisting of cellulose fibers which do not dissolve and are not biodegradable. Not Right, and that's directly life. from the pediatric report, which I, I I have up, but I don't know if I link to it or not. Um, if you look, yeah, there's a, there's it, and it, the pediatric report is fairly fairly short. It's a meta analysis of a couple of studies of cinnamon um, after effects on rats, and they showed permanent scarring and and other other problems in, in the lungs over a period of three to six months. So they did show permanent damage in rats. Now, well, I I really like the Forbes article where it's talking about Sri Lankan yes. spice workers, mm -hmm. and uh, the the article uh, basically a paper detailing the lung disease and hair and weight loss. So, yeah. So if if you're able to put it in there and not cough and choke, you're probably going to be okay because ingesting this isn't really the problem. The problem is the fine particulates in the lungs and the way that this stuff sticks. That it. It's hard to cough out. Um, poison control says cinnamon coats the coats and dries the mouth throat, causing gagging, vomiting, coughing, choking, throat irritation. People with asthma and other respiratory conditions are at greater risk of having uh, this result in short term. Uh, in short, I'm sorry. In result in shortness of breath and trouble breathing. And 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 there's a. And I was I, I thought I, I should have called poison control because I bet they would have talked to me about it. True, um, but it didn't. But there's a number here that we could still do that. Um, so, and and they'll suggest whether to, and poison control will suggest whether you can treat it at home or whether you need to go to the hospital. But some people have been hospitalized for this, uh, according to some things that I've read. Now, just like the condom challenge, there's a whole page dedicated. Two videos about the cinnamon challenge, mm -hmm. which I find a, a little disturbing. Although it does on the page itself, do not attempt it. It's, it says straight out it's dangerous. But yeah, well, I mean, they, they, they're, yeah, they're, showing... they're at CYA, you know. Of course they want you to do it. I want your video. You know, I guess my question here is what is the what is the psychology behind this? Well, with, it, I, I realize it's... it's... Did, did you ever do anything like that when you were a kid? I, I I never did the cinnamon challenge, but I did something similar to the salt and ice one, the next one we have up. You know, uh, um, in third grade, a kid said, okay, um, I'm going to take an eraser to the back of your hand, and I'm just going to keep erasing on until you tell me to stop because it hurts too much. The problem is I have a very, very high tolerance for pain, and, um, you know, I finally told him to stop because, like, yeah, you probably went through enough of my skin. And I end up with this really nasty um, 
I'm trying to think exactly what, how to describe it because it wasn't a bruise or a cut, but it was a eraser burn. Yeah, but it was a really nasty one. It went, you know, took a while to heal up. Mm-hmm. And it, like I said, I, I have a, a high tolerance rate. Some of these things that would probably be very dangerous for me to try because I would really just like, okay, when did it start hurting? And end up, you know, scoring myself. But I, I remember doing that in third grade. I remember in high school, they kept coming up with all these weird things. And one of the ones I actually did, which I, I, I didn't like at all, it had to do with standing up really quickly. You know, you somehow you stand up against the wall in a certain way. I don't really remember it too well. And you stand up really quickly and you black out. And I blacked out. Okay. And I didn't like that at all. I was like, why in the world would you want to try that again? But, I, talked, I talked to a friend over the weekend about this, and she's a little younger. She's in her mid-30s. She was saying when she was in high school, they would um, press their carotid arteries and make themselves pass out for just a second. That was their equivalent. And uh, the one, I, I purposely made myself pass out once. I never want to do that again. That was not something that was fun or enjoyable in any way. Yet, it's the kind of stuff that's out there that, oh, hey, this is fun. Let's try it. It's like, well, but, no, uh, and people huff paint, too. Yeah. And autoerotic asphyxiation is a known cause of death, too. Right. No, when, especially when you're teenagers, you try stupid stuff because people tell you to try stupid stuff. It's status-seeking, man. It's anthropology. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. It's, and, it's, well, I guess, so it's, it's the eraser taking one. the dare and, and proving yeah. that you're daring. Right. And, and, you know, oh, I'm not a coward. I can do this. I am tough. And there's definitely a, a mentality there. Well, but this also goes back to our pranks and hazing conversation. Yeah, mm. yeah it does. Uh, it also kind of relates back to um, – I'm reading uh, – I'm borrowing Louis L'Amour books from my father right now. And the book I just finished, uh, Bendigo Shafter, he was talking about the – he was talking about the, the problem with making peace in the 1800s with the Native American tribes was that the old men who were already men would be willing to make peace – but the young men, the only way they could become men in the eyes of their tribe was by fighting and and right. raiding. So they right. would not be willing to make peace. The and old men would. To prove. Right. Exactly. And, and that's what this up, is here. I'm and thinking. most of these are definitely that. You know, oh, you can do it. I can do it. Watch. Yeah. I think the Forbes article um, also talked about, you know, hazing rituals, pranks and fraternity types of stuff. I'm fairly sure that I could do this cinnamon challenge in a way that would be safe. Take a piece of toast, butter it. <laughs> sugar. Yeah, lots of sugar, sugar and cinnamon. <laughs> so the, just a side note, David Kroll wrote the Forbes article. He also writes for Science-Based Medicine, and I I can't remember. He maybe wrote for Science Blogs, too, for a while. Hmm. I think he's a pharmacist. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so, I mean, let's talk about some of these others that are uh, – the other one that's kind of in the same vein is, uh, you know, the, eating these ghost peppers and stuff like that, which nobody – has well, died from this uh, stuff. Just, just a second, Brian. Oh, tell sorry. me what the tell us what the salt and ice challenge is. No, no, no. We'll get to that. I'm, I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna circle back to that. You want to you just want to do that one? No, I I have it in I have it in order before the yeah I know I, I, things. That's why I wanted to. I thought we were skipping it. Go no, I don't. I don't want to skip it. Thing. I want to go back to it. I want because I want to do the the right. pepper challenge first. I'm sorry, I don't have them. In, the, in you happy now, one. Mac? Thanks. Yeah, you. I am yeah. immensely. Happy. <laughs> okay. All right. So there's the pepper. That was called the ghost pepper, which um, through 2011, it was the hottest pepper. Now it's the Trinidad uh, Mangura Scorpion. That's the hottest pepper. And, and peppers are rated on a, a Scoville scale. And a jalapeno is going to score between 3,200 and 8,000 Scoville units. Um, your habaneros got up into 50,000 Scoville units. Okay. Ghost peppers are over... Um, I know they're over a million Scoville units, so there's this huge jump. 
Uh, maybe uh, – oh, I looked up the Scoville Skelly. Maybe I'm wrong about the Habanero. Maybe it's hotter. Is it 500 Scoville units? Anyway, so now we've got the, the Ghost Pepper, which I know is a million. And now there's this – it might and it might be up to uh, 1.5 million Scoville units. And this Trinidad Scorpion is up to 2, 2 million Scoville units, which is the same as Pepper Spray. And okay. there are people on the internet eating these things as part of a challenge. And probably, it, you know, it, once again, if you have any sort of respiratory issue, it could cause an asthma attack, and 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 that could be a potential problem. Um, other than that, it's just painful. And just watching these people, there's this one woman who eats this, and she says that her her limb, she couldn't feel her limbs. It was so she had such a strong reaction to this uh, to this ghost chili. I linked to an article on Slate. Yeah, you um, did. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, Jackson Landers wrote an article for Slate online back in April called Eating Fire. Why do people feel compelled to put the spiciest chili peppers in their mouths? And he ate one of the scorpion peppers, but it was a varietal that was only only 1.5 million Scoville units. Right. Um, so, yeah, that just uh, measures the heat. And according to his article, what happens is it's not literally burning, even though it feels like you're on fire. Right. It triggers the pain receptors to make your brain think you know, have the same sensation of burning, but it doesn't usually actually do like physical damage to yourself. Yeah, it's the capsaicin in it um, that that does it. And like birds, um, do not have the same reaction to capsaicin as we do. They can eat any pepper, and to them, it's just sweet. Yeah. Mm. He had a funny quote. He said, uh, "Ultra hot peppers occupy a unique role in the West. They've been created specifically for the purpose of being horribly painful to people, usually men, who deliberately inflict this pain on themselves, typically in front of others. Other cultures have analogs of this behavior. The men of one Amazon tribe cover their hands with the venomous ants in a ceremony so painful that he would have cut off his arm with a machete to stop the pain if he'd been able to. Other cultures enjoy ritual cutting or scheduled beatings. Young American men sometimes consent to hazing rituals. See again." with the hazing in the course of rushing a fraternity or joining a sports team but rarely do they involve pain as pointed as that of eating an ultra hot pepper sundance yeah, yeah. Well, brian actually um had some hot pepper um some um pepper sauce stuff way back when some hot sauce called pain is good yeah and that stuff was really wasn't that hot no but still that the the, the mo- it's, it's kind of mocking that idea that you know yeah. somehow you know I, I've had some hot hot sauces before, but I remember when like the famous or what? what no, not famous Dave's. It was Dave's Insanity Sauce, and, um, and Dave's is a line of of chili sauces. And what they did though to make their sauce hotter is they is they just extract they took the extracted capsaicin and they put it into their into their sauce, and it was hot as all hell, but it tasted like crap. Um, people eating so these. If it tastes bad, what's the point? Well, exactly. But people eating these, um, these Trinidad chilies, um, the the scorpion, they people say that they're very fruity. And at first, they're kind of almost floral and fruity, and they and they taste good. And then you get, and then you get a whammy with it. So yeah, the Dave's Insanity sauce was was crap. It, it just so it just tastes taste really awful. good up until the point where your tongue actually melts. Right, exactly at the at the point when when you when you start to feel that. But that reaction that you're having to that is like uh, Terry was saying, it's not um actually harmful, right? Yeah, it's not doing physical damage, but the pain is clearly warning you of something. Well, exactly, right? But you know, here's the thing: is that if 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 peppers weren't hot. I wouldn't enjoy them as much, right? I I like I like I like chilies, right? But I, I tell you what, I I probably don't go much past cayenne pepper, which is thirty thousand Scoville units. Well, and I'm I'm a lightweight on this. I usually don't go past like a 
bell um, pepper. Anaheim is usually the hottest I get. I did a Fresno and didn't really enjoy it very much. Really, I but see, look cause... at how you look at how you how you label that. You called yourself a lightweight. Like there's yeah. like there's shame in that. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, an Anaheim pepper well, is going to well be well spotted too. And Anaheim is somewhere between a thousand and twenty five hundred Scoville units. Uh, Fresno, I think, is hotter. Um, I and Fresno is probably one of my favorite chilies. In fact, when I make um, salsas and stuff, I like to make mango salsa, and Fresno is my chili of choice that because it's very sweet, it's very fruity, and it also has uh, a reasonable heat to it. Um, I, I think now, it tastes better than um, than a habanero. And now, and for that matter, I do like the chipotle chili, which is uh, thirty five hundred to eight thousand. So yeah, but okay, but you're getting those in moderation. Yeah, and when I'm using Tabasco sauce, I'm just you know I'm splashing a few drops of Tabasco sauce on eggs. Sure, and, and exactly, because and so all this stuff. Damn within, it, they yeah. need it. Right, I mean sriracha is is awesome stuff, and I don't know how many Scoville units it is, but it just, I mean, it's hotter than Tabasco, I think. Uh, it says one thousand to twenty five hundred sriracha. Oh, really? Is that all? That's what it says. So, and what at is the Tabasco? Point where... It's on Wikipedia, so it must be true. <laughs> At the point where you're unable to actually taste, like I can see it as a flavor enhancer, and right. I like Indian food and I like Thai food, and I'm okay with kind of a medium level of spiciness. But um, at the point at which you're unable to actually enjoy the flavors of the food, what is the point? Well, I agree. That, that's well, why, yeah. That's one thing I've noticed with some um, places that you know, oh, we put hot sauce on it. It's like, well, if, if if the hot sauce overpowers other flavors, it doesn't work. You need to do it so it actually works with the. Yeah, that, that's one um, thing I have noticed at some places. They don't seem to quite get yeah. that. Let me just one of my that... favorite things is to eat a pepperoncini, like a pickled a pickled pepperoncini, and then eat the uh, eat the food. Like if I get a pepperoncini with a sandwich, I eat the pepperoncini first, and then I eat the sandwich. That seems to bring out the flavors a lot more intensely. Hmm. Um, the Fresno chili is between twenty five hundred and ten thousand um, Scoville units, and they consider that a medium pepper. When you look at, um, and a lot of people are just doing this with habanero chilies, and there are several different types of habanero chilies, and I thought there was one that was 50,000 Scoville units, but they have them here rated at 100 Scoville units for the habanero, and most people, that that's the pepper that, that they've used a lot for this. Um, and, and that's a hot, that's, that's hot at 100,000 Scoville units to, to 3,500. Anything above that? Oh, there it is. The, this, and, okay, the second, the other one that I'm thinking of, the other habanero is the, um, uh, Savania habanero, the red Savania habanero. And so it's twice as hot as the regular habanero. And where's the, uh, where's the hatch chili sit in this, in this range? 1,500 to 2,500. The same okay. as sriracha. One thing that was funny in the article I read too. Oh, no, so I'm sorry. Just... I'm wrong. I'm wrong. The hatch chili's hotter. It doesn't matter. I was just going to say that in the article that I read, um, he so at the time that he ate this particular scorpion varietal, it was the Guinness, you know, world record hottest thing at the time. But breeders are constantly upping the ante, right? Everyone wants the title mm -hmm. of the world's hottest right. pepper. They're, they're constantly bringing them. So, so the Trinidad scorpion butch tea pepper. Which is what this guy ate. Which is what he ate. Yeah. yeah. And, and, that, and so that can get up to basically, you know. 1,500, 1.5 million Scoville units. And your ghost chilies are in the same range. Whereas this new uh, Trinidad Morgo, Mor Morgavo, whatever, scorpion pepper is up to up, 2 million. Yeah, up to 2 million Scoville units. And they have it. So, the, and then most law enforcement grade pepper sprays. But I'll tell you what, most people to get, to, to get a reaction like this, they don't have to go beyond 
a habanero. Yeah, I was going to say, like, add a habanero, I'd be probably right. doing that. Yeah, and, and it's like, I like cayenne pepper, but only to a certain point. Even when I go get wings, I don't get nuclear wings, right? I'll get the hot. I don't go beyond that. I can eat them, but I pay for it. So there you go. So pepper, so, but once again, this is probably pretty safe, right? It's probably not going to kill you. I think the cinnamon challenge is worse. Um, this other, so the other challenge, um, is the cayenne. So that, so in that vein, that's why I wanted to do the peppers first is the extreme cayenne pepper challenge. So they're taking the, the like granulated, um, cayenne pepper and they're doing the same thing with it. As with the cinnamon? As with the cinnamon. And to me, that carries similar dangers. Maybe not quite as bad. Cinnamon is really nasty. Oh, um, wait. I found a site for that. It's called DarwinAwards.com. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah. So any time you're inhaling a powder like this into your lungs, and I don't know how well there, – there's less information on the um, cayenne pepper challenge, but it, it's got to be – I mean, it, once again, it's an irritant – I don't know. It might not do as much damage to the lungs as the cinnamon does, but still, you're getting fine particulates in your lungs, and it just seems like a bad idea. So, in so my last stupid challenge is the salt and ice challenge. And what you do is you take a whole bunch of salt, pour it on your arm in kind of a pile, and then you put an ice cube on top of it, and then you hold the ice cube down on on your arm. And of course, ice and salt when they mix, the temperature drops. Very rapidly, and it actually sucks the heat from your arm, and it can, and this can actually cause burning up to a second degree burn if you I do it long enough. I thought they said third degree. Did they say third degree? I heard. I remember second. I was thinking um, second, third degree burns being caused by. But it. this, but the temperature can get as low, um, from what I, from what I've read, as um, negative ten. I'm pretty sure it was negative negative ten Fahrenheit. That's what I read. Yeah. Well, this is how you freeze homemade ice cream. Right. Exactly. When you, if yeah. you're making ice cream, you, you, yeah, you put the salt, you put the ice around it, and then you pour, you put, you pour the, uh, excuse me, you pour um, all the. Uh, um, the salt on top of the ice and the ice cream goes really cold and you know that's how you get that's how you get it cold enough to, to freeze the ice cream so people are doing that on their arm and and some people have been burned pretty severely this way and of course it'll leave permanent scarring so this is i mean this is potentially very dangerous all right well I, I probably shouldn't even try that with my tolerance for pain i would let it set too long and and, and that's one of the things you know Pain's there for a reason. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if, if you try to fight pain, you'll often do something really stupid. See, but I never did any of these things because I am a total wimp. And yet again, the lightweight thing. Exactly, it is. Right, but shame that, But yeah. Well, no, but here's the thing is that I, I never quite felt about it that way. I felt that, they, uh, that the people doing this shit were stupid. Yeah. Well, and see, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. I've never I, – I look at these things and I think, okay – uh, for instance, the salt and ice thing, I know what happens when I throw rock salt into the driveway on, uh, you know, when it's when it's been snowing and there's ice in the driveway. And that's that the ice, the, the salt burns through the ice very rapidly. I had always kind of assumed it was the reaction of the sodium in the water rather than, you know, what they're saying about the salt lowering the, lowering the freezing temperature. But, you know, the simple fact is that there's a chemical reaction there, which is pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and you see some of the marks left on people, and it's it's pretty amazing. Um, and of course, the same woman that that took the ladle of cinnamon, she pours the salt all the way up her arm and puts ice cube all the way up her arm, and then holds them down, and then she counts to sixty. Okay. 
So she actually had kind of a set time in, her, in mind in the first place. Well, yeah, because I think that's it. Yeah, that was the challenge as it was presented to her to hold it, to, to keep it on there for a minute. Okay. So she probably did it for less time than some other people have done it. Um, the One of the videos that is probably the first one was a couple of guys that all did it as a challenge to see who could do it the longest. And then, and, and they were, they were doing it all up and down their arms and stuff too, just crazy stuff. And the thing is, is that initially when you're watching these things, it's kind of funny, right? But then you start thinking about the potential dangers of it and, and it isn't as funny anymore. Well, and you know, how far off from this is like, uh, YouTube reaction videos to two girls, one cop. It's another, it's another way of proving that you're, Proving that your metal is up you know, to and see, Brian. According to you, you have much more talents than that for that than me. Uh, yeah, I was ready yeah. to vomit about twenty twenty five seconds in. I couldn't stand watching that anymore. Yeah, I made it through that video. Mm-hmm. But but here's the thing: is that, is it, once again, we're we're starting to get we're starting to come back to this. Is that really something worth bragging about? Yeah. And the answer is not to me. It is, but but to the but to their in group, it is. Oh, it's totally the people. I mean, the, listen. There's there's way more people watching these videos than there is listening to us. I guarantee. Yeah. Right. Well, it's that jackass thing too, right? Isn't that right. a similar? It's the same. Yeah, I, I never yeah. got jackass. Yeah. The, 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 that was just stupid. So what we need to come up with then is our own like skeptics challenge. How smart can you be? That's not very glamorous. How long can you? How long can you disbelieve? Uh, a UFO video. <laughs> how how far into a UFO video can you disbelieve before you start becoming credulous? Okay, I can't make it through half these UFO UFO videos on Twitter. They're so awful. Without becoming <laughs> credulous? Ugh. I'll tell you what. They want us to keep an open mind, but there's but people are putting so much crap up on a daily basis that yeah. it's very difficult to do. By the way, Terry, check your email. Oh, oh I see a headshot. Hey, 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 hey. Very nice. Thanks, thanks, Mac. Sending her a headshot after we talk about the masturbation challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not wearing pants in the headshot. And, and she's not, not wearing, wearing pants. pants. Not now and not in the headshot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I really, I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess we should have div- dove in more to the psychology of this stuff. But I, I, but it's not that much different than some of the prank psychology. Yeah, I was going to say it's well, so similar to the prank stuff. Yeah, But it also goes with like the body modification stuff like that. There's so many different things that, you know, people do um, that would fall into this. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, our podcast about pranks and then that whole body image issue because I was in a, I spent a lot of time in a swimsuit. And uh, this is so tangential. Sorry, I can you can edit this out if you want. <laughs> but um, so I have a my BMI is is normal. It's like twenty three point four or something. You know, and I'm athletic, but I don't look in a swimsuit like society is telling me I'm supposed to look in a swimsuit. So I, who am an advocate of accepting people of all shapes and sizes and varieties and diversities, um, I put a swimsuit on myself, and I just it's I just have this overwhelming. Um, uh, insecurity about it. It's ridiculous. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to fix that. You well, know, we all have uh, that. And that's, you know, part of the thing with the fitting in is. Right? This yeah, is, right. yeah, this is a different discussion, but there is uh, a well, model. Well, there's a connection, I think. I, okay. I don't think it's necessarily separate because a lot of the stuff is, you know, fitting in with your peer group. In group right? that, yeah. And how, how you want to present yourself physically is in the same kind of thing. You know, I have to make sure I'm impressing other people. 
It doesn't make sense. Doesn't matter if it makes sense or not as to why. But in your mind, you have to go out there and impress other people in some manner. Whether it's you have to dress up properly, you have to you know get the the yeah yeah you have to get a specific look going to impress them, or you have to go and do the challenges. You know, there's a lot of peer pressure on so many different levels out there in our society. There is a model um, by the name of Jenny Ruck. Who, who talks about this very thing because she, she, she finally had made a choice for herself. She could either continue to starve herself to be a, a, a model, you know, your typical model, or she could be a plus size model. And she finally decided that she would be, that she would be much happier just being a plus size model. Now she's a plus size model, but she's still only the American average weight. She's still not, I mean, she, she plus size models are like human beings. Right. They're nor yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And and you look at her and and I mean she's she's good looking. She's in looks like she's in fairly good shape. You know, but but she had to make a choice. Um, you know, what and, and I'm sure that she makes less money as a plus size model, which is really unfortunate considering that is an average woman's weight. Right. And that's a plus size model. I mean, we've totally created a stigma around that. Jezebel had an article about how um, women have money to spend on clothing and they can't spend it because they, you know, there aren't there's the variety at the larger sizes that there right. is at the smaller. Which which surprises me because there are more women at that larger size, right? I mean, in Abercrombie and Fitch, they've decided that they that they're not going to make clothes for you know for. They say Even fat beach. people, but what they consider fat is, you know, not that, not that heavy. Did you see the video where the one guy was picking up the Goodwill Amber and Fitch clothing and giving it out to homeless people? No, yeah. I guess that. We talked about I that. Saw last that. Yeah, that was. Um, there's a huge industry in this country that is devoted to self hatred, body hatred, and that industry is being supported by the fashion industry. Well, it's any it's a lot of advertising. I mean, Bill Hicks has that whole shtick about if you're in advertising that you're, you know, you're you're completely evil and should just kill yourself. <laughs> Which isn't necessarily. Well, okay. He goes it, right that that that's going a little far, but let's face it. It's their job to manipulate us though. They yeah. know exactly how to yeah. push our buttons. They, yeah. they sure do. And is it is it necessarily that they're evil or are they just simply responding to what has already been created. They're they're just simply trying to they're trying to build upon what we already think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah. So yeah, the psychology is status seeking. It's always status and power, yeah. right? Yeah. In in the end, basically, people will do stupid, stupid, stupid things in order to impress others. Well, yeah. Getting back to yeah. <laughs> yep. I know. I noticed you don't have anything on here about the liquid nitrogen challenge. I also yeah, didn't. The, I also skipped the helium challenge. Well, apparently the new thing I had seen an article on, I hadn't really read it, was kids licking other kids' eyeballs, and then the kids <laughs> getting pink eye. Oh. <laughs> wait like, a minute! Wait a minute! Which one is makes... which one is it? The challenge for is it the is it for the licker or the licky? I have no idea. I I, I just remember um someone seeing articles on it on Facebook. I, I never felt like reading it because it just seemed too disturbing of a concept, but. Basically, the kids will, um, you know, lick the other kid's eyeball and end up causing pink eye. Well, no, wait a second. That's a bacteria that has to already be present. Is is that are like that prevalent in our mouths? The the well, generally you pink get eye? pink eye by rubbing up, um saliva and stuff into your eyes. That's the main way you get pink eye. Hmm. 
So is, so, it that you have, is it that you have a cold or something bacterial that you then rub into your eye after you wipe um, your nose or whatever? I, I, I don't think it necessarily has to be a cold. Okay. I'm not an expert on pink eye. I will never claim to be. But um, <laughs> basically, that's my understanding is, yeah, eyeball licking causes pink eye. Mm. Oh, actually, apparently this is Japan, is what the article saying. So is it, um, I seem to remember reading that. Does it have to do with, um, like, foreplay, or is it? Uh, they call it a fetish. Okay. A like a sexual fetish? fetish? Has, um, I'm guessing. They don't say necessarily straight out sexual, but. My boyfriend started licking my eyeballs years ago, and I just loved it. I'm not with him anymore, but I still like to ask guys to lick my eyeballs. I just love it because it turns me on, like sucking on my toes. It makes me feel all tingly. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, you know, I can't. My wife can't even put in eye drops. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. You know, trying to keep the eyes open for that seems a bit funky. Well, if you've ever put contacts in, you kind of get used to touching your eyeball. You know, Brian, if she can't put in eye drops, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to lick those eyeballs for her. Really? As a caring how husband, does that, how does that do follow? It. And of course, the dangers. Um, <laughs> the same dangers are one thing. The um, I'm going to actually send you guys all the links real quick. You know, having your eyeball licked sounds like a um, like a strange addiction episode. Yeah, but the tongue is not smooth. It actually has ridges that can cause um damage to it. Sure. And then, like I said, apparently, um, pink eyes. Well, that's why I never let my cat do. It. I, you know, I think that I think that the only way you should actually be having your eyeball licked is if you are actually a gecko and you do it yourself. I'm just saying. And what is the like? What is the chemistry of saliva versus the tears too? Like, is that caustic at all, or is it this? Well, your tears, I think, are fairly pure and clean. Well, right, uh, but the, don't we saliva... have digestions in our saliva that might? Be... We, do. Yeah, we do. And saliva also is one way to get rid of tears. I don't know if they're digestive to eyeballs, but right, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't... Uh, the human mouth is definitely a lot more. The the dog's mouth is clean compared to ours. Yeah, the only yeah. the I think the only mammal mouth that's like dirtier is the cat's, right? I think so. Yeah, you know, in terms of non-mammalian, I think they, uh, I think the Komodo dragons is far worse than ours. <laughs> right. Well, like, yeah. Okay, the Komodo dragon. But okay, so I mean, what do you guys think of these challenges? I was trying to think of an analog, and like when I was younger, like if I would, I did stupid stuff in high school. It wasn't this kind of stuff, but it was like you know, driving too fast and. You know, drinking too much and stuff like that. It's a similar vein, you know, I think. When I was in high school and elementary school, the stuff we'd challenge each other to do was more like in terms of, you know, exploring places that probably shouldn't explore in like sewer tunnels. Yeah, well, um, I had some friends back in grade school who there was um a ditch where the um they went under the street and they went through that tunnel under the street. I, I never did. That was one thing I wasn't about to do, but they... With doing like that was stupid and dangerous. So that's similar to like rock climbing or extreme mountaineering too, where I, you know there's. Well, there's, I've done rock climbing. That well, you know, why did yeah, the, why too, did going through the tunnel under the street? Why was that stupid and dangerous? Um. Well, you know, one they could barely fit in it. Okay, that's that's stupid. But I mean, I'm I'm thinking the street hasn't collapsed, so clearly the tunnel is in somewhat in some way. Well, but this is a ditch. This is for runoff water. Okay. I merely, you know, it was dry at the time, but. Like a storm drain, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Well, they could have run into an alligator. <laughs> but seriously, like if you think about mountaineering, and I, I agree, and I've, I've used to rock climb before kids, and but there's a level, there's like, there's like a, a safe level where you check all your knots and check all the anchors and stuff, and then there's the level where you get to the summit at all costs. And so we see deaths on, you know, on Everest because people push it too hard, and 
I don't know. Is that is that similar to these kinds of challenges? Um, well, it, you're definitely trying to prove something. That, 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 most of these challenges are just trying to, you know, we've talked about it. You're proving how manly you are, how tough you are, stuff like that. That's a big part of it. And Who are you proving it to? Are you proving it to yourself or everybody else? Proving it to everyone else. There are times yeah. where I think you are proving it to yourself. Most of the challenges like these, prove it to everyone else. Right. Especially I mean, if you're putting it on YouTube. Climb yeah, if you're putting it on YouTube, then you're – you're not proving it to yourself anymore. You're trying to show everybody else. Right. Climbing yeah. Everest can kind of go either way. I mean, right. but primarily, yeah, if you're going to climb, and if you're doing Everest, you're, you should be doing it for yourself. And you're trying to accumulate YouTube hits, right, which is a, another way of, which is another way of proving your status is to show how many sick. Well, it's validation, hits. right? Sure. It is. There's um, a portion of the home birth movement too, where women are trying to show like the, the risks that people take in childbirth have become increasingly extreme over time, and now women are showing YouTube videos of themselves giving birth. Uh, uh, rock climbing? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet, but it's yeah, it's so. Uh, you know, first it's at home with the midwife, and then it's at home without any medical attendant at all, and then it's like, you know, outside in nature instead of in. You know, it just. And, but then they post it on, they talk about being all natural and wanting to commune with nature, but then they post the video on YouTube, which seems to me that maybe there's another motivation there. Well, death is natural. Yeah. yeah. It's the natural conclusion of life. Which sucks now, more, I, I YouTube or see, Facebook? I want to put that challenge out there. I want to see extreme rock climbing birth videos. Well, have you worn a climbing harness? Cause I'm, I know, I guess, yeah. I guess you, if you put it on pantsless, I'm trying to think it through. I don't know. I don't know. I've both climbed and given birth, and I, I just don't know. You probably need a couple of firemen down below with one of them catch nets. <laughs> right. It, dep- it would depend. Is it a face climb or a crack climb? Like, you know, like how you would position your body. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Aren't most crack climbs done pantsless? <laughs> and then your hand gets stuck and you take a fall. <laughs> 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 All right. Are we about ready to wrap? Yeah, this well, up we might. I think we're done now. <laughs> Say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivative 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 